Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. My name is Martha Reddick, and I am your host. And this week, we are talking about conflict resolution, which I actually don't know as much of the technological terms and things like that for. And so I have brought in an expert on this. Her name is Katie Leinecke. She is a dear friend and an expert on conflict resolution. And dweeby fan of conflict resolution. She I is. love it. I could talk for hours. She has been telling me for a couple weeks now even how excited she is. Slash years. Slash years. About in general how excited I am. Yes. And so I'm super excited to hear this. Uh, I feel like it will help me be a better nanny and I'm hoping Helping you listeners as well. It will help all of us. It help it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. So let's let's get into it. Yeah. Uh so the first thing that you wrote down was conflict is good. And she wrote it in all caps, guys. So <laughs> I have strong feelings about that. If you ask someone off the street, like, how does conflict what does that bring to mind for you? Most people say it makes them anxious, it makes them nervous, it makes them feel bad or angry. But actually, conflict is a really great barometer for what's happening with the people around you. And it helps you get to know the people. And it's really interesting because you get to see places that need more work on oh. in a child's world or in an, in an adult's world as well. So conflict is good because it tells you where the problems are. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a really good way to look at it. And I know, yes, for a lot of people that conflict is scary. Yeah. Um, and a, a lot of adults that I know, myself included, mm -hmm. like thinking about conflict stresses me out. Yes. Well, a lot of us grew up, myself included, in homes where um, it was important. We all agree yes. with whomever's in charge. And we had lovely, wonderful parents. I love my parents. They're amazing. Me too. Uh, it's just the way that they were brought up was you don't argue with your parents. Right. Or you don't disagree even. Because there's a difference between respectfully disagreeing and not. So right. there's a there's certainly pressure to comply for many children. Um, our, our parents felt it from their parents. And it's something that I hope that we maybe will come out of a little bit in our yeah. generation. I, I completely agree. You mentioned that there is an importance in waiting yes. to step in. Because I know as nannies, we're like, oh, conflict, separate, everyone yeah. go to your corner. Yes. Part of that comes, too, from the children not being your own. You have a, a greater pressure of returning them uninjured <laughs> to their uh, parents. But there is, it's really important to give children a chance to try and solve the conflict on their own. So being close by, being aware, listening, watching is all really important, but not being, if they never have a chance to solve their own problems to practice, they're not going to be very good at it as adults. So you really need to allow children the opportunity to solve their own problems 
in the beginning, especially when you start with a new family, it's good to sort of see what they can do mm-hmm. so you can play off of their strengths and step in when necessary. Yes. And I I know from experience that conflict, conflict resolution does get better the more intimately you know the child oh, and sure. how they work. Yes. Relationship is all good teaching comes out of relationship. You cannot cannot help anyone teach anyone or do anything without a warm positive relationship yes because if they don't know you and you come in and try and tell them what to do they're gonna be like screw you lady like I don't even know you or (laughs) screw you dude you're not my dad or you're not my mom right I've never even seen you before you know more than like three weeks so it it does get better with time for sure yes so as you start to use these practices keep that in mind yes that uh it's going to get better the more you practice, more you practice. Right. And then also it's going to get better the better you know the children. Right. And the more positive relationship moments you can share with the child, the better it will be when you need to redirect the child. Right. Or guide them to make better choices or help them to learn to negotiate conflict for themselves. So you want to make sure that you're making positive contacts with the child and not just chiming in when they need to do something differently. You need to notice, catch them being good is a phrase that you hear a lot in the Mm -hmm. early childhood world. So if you see, I cannot tell you how many times I say thank you for things that you can't really say to adults, thank you for flushing the toilet. Thank you for washing your hands. Thank you for using your walking feet. Oh, I like how you found your spot. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was really friendly. The way you looked that man right in the eyes and said, thank you. You know, just, I can't just be so warm Mm -hmm. and affirming of what you see that they're doing well because children don't know they're born without this knowledge and we expect them to have it. Mm -hmm. And so they need to be taught to do that. And one way of not telling them what to do because no one really likes to be told what to do no unless you feel nervous about it and then you're like please tell me exactly what to do um but they need to be taught by praise Mm -hmm. when it's appropriate and specific praise yes general praise is is not effective no um i know we talked about before process over product and you want to you want to praise the process like the efforts they're putting forth like oh you know I know that you got really frustrated at the end and you, you know, threw that thing, but I saw you trying really hard to be calm and I saw you taking deep breaths and that's something we've practiced and you really, you stayed calm for a long time when you were frustrated and that was really amazing. Yes. And being like laying it out, you cannot be specific enough. Right. Yeah. Yes. That is very good advice. Yes. We could do a whole session on praise versus encouragement yes and we will great see you then (laughs) it's on the list um but so it is a five-step process or this particular method can be broken down into five steps yes my my favorite conflict resolution method is the five-step process and uh, it's helpful to remember because you have five fingers so Mm. if you're in the moment you can sort of remember like oh which one am I on So the process goes sort of like this. First of all, everyone needs to calm down, yourself included as the nanny. You need to calm down. The children, both children need to calm down. So some tactics to do this are to say, okay, we're all going to take deep breaths or let's all count to 10 or let's look at each other's eyes and say what color they are. And then by the time people are done screaming or yelling, they're actually able to talk and listen. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes can take some time. And some children aren't necessarily willing to do that at first. So you need to really try to find ways that work for that child. Right. Um, and you need to probably do them with them mm-hmm. so that they don't feel like it's a punishment. So that's step one is everybody calms down. Step two is... We hear a child side of the story. You have to assure both children, though. You have to say, you know, Timmy, you're going to get a chance to tell me your side of the story. I really want to hear it. Right now, we're going to listen to Steve's side of the story, and then I'm going to listen to you. But first, let's listen to Steve. And so Steve gets to tell his side of the story, and it's usually something like, Tim took that and hit me, and it made me upset, and I had it first. So then you hear, you listen, and then you restate mm-hmm. what they've said without accusing the other child. Mm-hmm. So you take out bad, good value judgments. Right. So you say, it sounds like you had this toy, 
Tim maybe wanted to play with it and he took it from you and that made you feel really upset. The child's like, yes. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, now we're going to listen to Tim. And then you turn and you listen to Tim and Tim says, well, I was playing with it earlier today and (laughs) then Steve had it and he shook it in my face and I realized I needed it. And then I went to take it and he hit me. And so you'd say, okay, so you were playing with it and you really still wanted to play with it. And when Tim held it up, you remembered how much you wanted to play with it. And you got upset and tried to take it from him. And he's like, yeah. And then you restate the the problem a third time. So that's steps uh, one, two, and three. Step one, calm everyone down. Step two, listen to one child and restate their side of the story. Step three, listen to the other child, restate their side of the story in neutral terms. Right. Step four, you restate the whole problem mm-hmm. so that they can understand what's happening, their sides in the context of the whole situation. So it sounds like, gosh, it sounds like we have two boys who really want to play with the same toy and we only have one toy. Right. Except four. And then you say, and this part is so important, I wonder what we could do about that. Mm-hmm. And then you stop. That's step five. <laughs> stop. You stop talking. And you look like you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You often know what you could do about this because right. you're in this for a reason. You know that's why a lot of nannies want to step in immediately because you have a good sense of what's right and what's wrong and what's fair and what's not. But you need to allow the children to have an opportunity to try. So you look like you're thinking. Sometimes what I do in this time is I count to 20 and <laughs> look at the children and look like I'm thinking. And then they're going to throw out some ideas. And you want them, the point here is no idea is wrong. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to throw out ideas. So usually the first idea is like, well, I could have it and he could go away. And you're (laughs) like, okay, so Tim, you could have it and Steve could go away. And then you turn to Steve and you say, Steve, does that sound fair to you? And Steve will likely be like, no. No. (laughs) And so you go, okay, so that's not fair to Steve. So let's keep thinking. And then you maybe count to 20 again. And Uh then Steve will usually say something similar where it's like, well, maybe I could have it and then he could have it next, but I can have it for 20 minutes and he can have it tomorrow. (laughs) And you say, okay, so maybe Steve could have it first and then you could have it next Tim. And, uh, and does that sound fair to you if you have it tomorrow and he has it today? And Tim will say no. Right. And then you get to a point where, and they're coming up with the ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Is the point of this is they're actively a part of the problem solving process. Right. And so they're coming up with these ideas and eventually they'll get to one that sounds fair to both of them, mm-hmm. which here's the important part. It might not sound like an appropriate solution to you as the adult. <laughs> How about we hack the toy in yeah, two yeah. with a giant knife? Yeah. And sometimes you you can't accept it. Like you're like, oh, you know, like I I like the idea that you want to share it. You really want to make it fair. But it, we can't break our toys at school. We need to respect our toys or we won't have toys to play with. What else could we think of? Um, so if, if it's a safe solution... And a non-destructive solution, and it's not something you necessarily agree with, you really need to, like, let them have it. Right. So if they say, like, well, I could, we could draw a picture and I could give that to him instead, and then I play with a toy. And that sounds fair to Steve. And that was Tim's idea. And you're like, that doesn't actually solve the problem as an adult. If the children both say it's fair... You need to let them have that. And uh, question about that, though. If both children say it's fair, mm-hmm. but you can tell one child clearly doesn't think it's fair. They often won't okay. say that they don't that they do think it's fair when they don't. Because okay. you've made it a safe space for okay. them to say no and you throw out the idea then. Right. Um, and that's really kind of special, actually. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this, the reason why letting the children come up with the solutions to the problem themselves is so important is because they're most likely to follow through as opposed to a, an adult imposed solution, right. which is sort of a punishment and they didn't vote on it. And who came up with these rules anyways? Yeah. They actually got a chance to be a part of the process so it's it's more likely to be carried out and oftentimes they do know like they'll say like oh we could share it I could use it for two minutes and they could use it for three but because no one was told by the teacher you're wrong that was bad that makes them more likely to listen you're teaching them empathy skills Mm -hmm. and telling them that they're going to be heard but first we're going to listen to that person it's amazing how many children can listen to another child if you just look at them and say, I really want to hear what you have to say. 
first we're going to listen to Tim and then we'll come back and listen to you. Mm-hmm. So keep your thought up here, but first we need to listen. And it's, it's shocking how young of a child can do that. If you just let them know you meet their need by saying, I'm going to hear you mm-hmm. and hear your side. And when you restate it in a neutral way, it lets them know they don't need to defend themselves because there's no blame being thrown at them by the adult. Right. And that's a really special thing because children are so vulnerable to have an adult say, you know, we all have disagreements. We're learning to work through them. It's okay. We're doing this together. So that's the five-step process. And then you as the adult make sure that that solution is carried out. So if they say like in five minutes, we're going to share, we're going to switch, then you would set the timer. Or Mm -hmm. you would have a timer set because children often respond very well to a timer because it's not an adult. It's somebody else. It's a different object telling them their time is up. (laughs) Kids love robots. (laughs) Um, And then you have a follow-up guidance talk, which doesn't always happen the same day even. Definitely not right afterwards. Mm -mm. But sometimes like a few hours later, you might say, you know, I really want to talk to you about what happened uh, earlier with Tim. So just, I'm curious what happened. What do you think we could do next time before we even get to taking the toy? What could we do? And again, you let them come up with suggestions. Mm -hmm. And then if they're having trouble, you could also throw out suggestions. The point is all these suggestions are probably appropriate. And if they're not, you can gently guide them away from that. Like, well, I could hit Steve. Like, no, well, you. I understand why you would want to, but it's not how we keep our friends safe here at school and we or at, at the house. We really need to keep our friends safe. Right. So I can't let you hit Steve. But what are some other things we could do? So it's very uh, low pressure. Mm-hmm. And because it's not in the heat of the conflict, they're ready to listen. <laughs> you know, no one listens when they're highly emotional because we're just really upset. Right. So making it a safe place for them to calm down and to come up with the solutions themselves helps them to take ownership of the conflict resolution process. Right. And helps them grow because yeah. when you are in the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. your mind is not able to actually grow right as well as when you analyze it afterwards right so it goes from that short-term memory to long-term memory of and habit yeah it exactly. starts becoming a You're, habit you are ingraining this process in them you right. are continuing to do it and doing it in a repeated way I mean children have conflicts every day Mm. so you get a lot of chances to practice and the really good news for you as a nanny because it can seem intimidating or as a parent if you're a parent listening or if you're a teacher listening the good news is kids are really forgiving Mm -hmm. and if you try and you keep trying they're going to understand and they're Mm going to get where you're going with it so you might not always do it right Um, and even making that open to them as well saying like, you know what, that wasn't necessarily correct of me and I'd like to try again. Or, you know, I felt upset because I was worried for your safety and I shouldn't have, you know, sounded like that. And I'm sorry, because that probably scared you and children are very forgiving and they're very open to you messing up and they, they forgive you. It's amazing. It is. So you have a lot of grace in this process and that's really important and to show the children grace as well because they're learning it for the first time maybe ever. Right. And as they go, because I'm sure it is a spectrum yeah. of going from the first time you try this yeah. to something that this is a way of life right? Um, around that child. Right. So uh, can you talk me through like that process yeah. of how hands-on you are at first versus when yes it's just kind of rolling yeah so we call that coach versus facilitator sometimes even coach versus cheerleader Uh in my little world um (laughs) but you start off a lot of times you have to be really right in it you have to be right next to the children a lot of times if they're squabbling over a toy no one will listen unless you're holding the toy Mm -hmm. so you say i'm just gonna hold on to this right now while we're talking about this and then we can we can play with it again and um you really have to, you have to spell it all out for them like I just did mm-hmm. now. And then you get to a point where the children start to do some of it. So I had a family I nannied for for a while and our teachers, we were doing this process. I had learned it in class and her teachers had a parent teacher conference with her mom and they said, oh, this little girl, she is really amazing. Your daughter, you know, kids have conflicts in the class and we hear her saying, 
okay, let's all just take a deep breath. Oh my let's count to 10. Everybody, let's count to 10 and calm down. Let's talk about this. And so she's going through the conflict resolution, yeah. the five-step process, just because we had done it. And her mom was like, actually, that's Katie. <laughs> I've heard Katie doing that in the living room while I've been upstairs doing work. Um, but it's really amazing. They, they learn it and they begin to do part of it by themselves at first. And then you sort of have to be on the sidelines still. And that's Mm -hmm. the importance of waiting to jump in. Do they need you? How much do they need you? Mm -hmm. And you need to be sort of aware of the child to child dynamics. Two children might really need help. One child from that set might be really great with another child. Right. Um, But you need to be aware of the dynamics between the children Mm -hmm. and how places that are sticky for them. So mm-hmm. sometimes calming down is really hard because they maybe don't have those self-regulation skills yet. Um, or sometimes they might have trouble with like, Oh, how do we restate it neutrally? But they really do get a hold of it after maybe like maybe even a few months of it. Yeah. Of just continual process. Um, whenever there's a conflict and it doesn't take that long. It sounds like it takes a long time, but it really takes like max five minutes, not even. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting because they can they can do it themselves. And then you lead to child negotiation where the children do it all themselves and they start to negotiate and work it out. And that's really the goal, right? That they're right. able to to resolve conflicts on their own, which makes a your job easier, mm-hmm. makes you super proud as a nanny. <laughs> Because you're hearing them and you're hearing them negotiate conflicts on the playground with children they don't know, which is amazing. So it's something that is really so important to be an adult or to be in school or to be anywhere. So I think it's really a special process when they start to sort of take hold and internalize that process you've been making plain for them for months and months, maybe. Right. And you see them start to do it. It's very rewarding. Yeah. And just that autonomy. Yeah. Over. Yeah. Over their own conflict. Exactly. It helps them to, to feel like a contributing member of society. Mm -hmm. Uh, Helps them feel like a good friend that leads into their positive self image Mm -hmm. and self confidence and self love. And that's really one of the greatest gifts you can give a child is helping them to negotiate conflicts in their relationships and teaching them that it's okay to fight with your friends. It's okay to disagree. You just need to do it in a way that is kind and respectful. Right. Because you're not always going to agree with your loved ones and that's normal. Right. Yes. Which will help them become better adults. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um, and then, so a lot of times I have heard when people are trying to get to that product kind of, of yes. we're done. We're done talking about this. Yeah. That there's this forced apology yes. of like, say you're sorry. And then Ugh. as soon as they say they're sorry, then it's like, okay, everything's good. Ugh. And it's not. Ugh. And you can feel that it's not. Yes. I, I, so I, I'm just going to be super open. I am not a timeout person. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I know it works for many people. I think what I have seen and I've seen research that says that timeouts are actually not as helpful because really young children don't understand why they're on timeout. Uh, So a guidance talk is actually more useful or a quote time in Mm -hmm. end quote where you're sitting with them and you're you're removing them from the place where the issue was. Yes, but you're not isolating them because isolation is the punishment. Right. Right. And you're not withdrawing love Mm -hmm. from them for what they have done. But you're saying, you know what? We need to calm down. We need to go over here. It's not safe over there. We're having problems. We need to like really be calm. So having the child remove themselves to a safe space with you Mm -hmm. and helping them calm down, talking about what went on, and then being able to come back in with a better set of solutions, you've actually helped that child to know what to do instead of just saying, you can't do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not really going to, I'm just going to be away from you for several minutes because that child's not like, oh, you're right. You know, I should not have done that. That was wrong to bite Sean. I shouldn't have done that. Next time I'll do this instead. That child's going to be like, I can't wait to get off this chair and bite Sean again. I'm so mad. I think I'll bite her as well. You know, they're mad at you for putting them on timeout. And you're not helping them calm down or learn self-help skills or self-child negotiation skills. You're not helping them learn to solve the conflict. 
you're punishing them in a way that's, um, especially for young children, it doesn't make sense to them. So I think, and, and you might disagree listeners and that's okay. Time ends are very helpful. Conflict is good. Yeah, it is good. So if you are disagreeing (laughs) in your head. Yeah. Um, also children then learn self removal skills, Mm -hmm. which is really important for a child to say, like, I can tell I'm getting agitated. They're, they're used to removing themselves in situations and it's not, bad to remove yourself right so you're not putting a negative um connotation with their self-removal because when you remove them before you're not withdrawing love right you're just saying like let's go over here and calm down and talk about it and children learn to remove themselves from the situation at that point so then which is they can go an be excellent calm skill right and think about it exactly um so that's great and then forcing a child to apologize children often if you force them to apologize, lots of times they're not sorry. Right. Sorry, I'm not sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, and they don't understand. They just know that it makes adults stop. It's annoying magic them. words. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, I'm sorry. I said sorry. Right. Yeah. You'll hear that a lot from a child who's forced to apologize. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, so a lot of times I do with children at the preschool or um, nannying, I say, look at your friend's face. Does your friend look like they feel happy about that? And they oftentimes, the child who did something will look, then they will look sad. They will see their friend's face and they're like, no. And I was like, why do you think your friend is sad? And they will often be like, I was bumping the tire swing and they didn't want me to. They know a lot of times they do know. Sometimes they don't and you need, or they do and you need to give them the words, Mm -hmm. help them to understand and describe and that's really important too. Right. Um, and then saying like, how do you think we can make your friend feel better? Instead of saying, say you're sorry, which really does nothing for anyone. Right. Like if you hit my car and say like, I'm sorry, and that's it, that's really not, that's really not enough. Right. Right. If you, as an adult, if you um, steal something of mine and be like, I'm sorry. Well, I said I'm sorry. Like that does not, <laughs> that does not make amends. No. So what you want to do instead is you want to teach them to make amends. And sometimes they honestly don't feel sorry for what they did. And that's, you can't force them to feel that, Mm-mm. but you can help them to make amends for a wrong they've done. So it's important to, to let them feel their feelings and not, cause if you force them to apologize, they're often going to be mad at that child as well. Cause that child got them in trouble, but right. You know, really they got themselves. They in trouble, did but, exactly. But, but that's they don't the way they see view that. it. Yeah. yeah. So allowing the child to still feel frustrated, but knowing like you need to, to do something here. How can we help your friend feel better? How can we help your classmate? How can we help this your child brother. at the park? Your brother, <laughs> oh, especially your brother. And a lot of times they have like, so I had this recently with a child and her mother and, um, it was really interesting. We were talking about, it was international taco Tuesday and um, (laughs) the child was like, I would really like tacos for dinner, but I think we're having this meal instead. And dinner with her and her mother is like a real sticking point for them. Mm. There's a lot of contention around dinner. And, um, the child, I was like, well, you can certainly ask your mom, but do make sure, like, what will you say if she says no? She was like, I would just be okay. I would just say, okay, maybe we can have them tomorrow. Oh. And we, well. <laughs> that well, what happened? get into the house. <laughs> and her mom happened to be home. And uh, she said, mom, did you know it's International Taco Tuesday? And her mom was like, no, I did not know that, sweetie. That's really exciting. She was like, can we have tacos for dinner? Her mom said, no, sweetie, we can't. We've had a lot of Mexican food this week and last week. So instead, we're having this. And the daughter, why not? Like burst into tears and starts screaming at her mom. And her mom was like, that's not appropriate. We were both like, "Mm -mm." and so her mom went upstairs. She's like, I'm going to let you and Katie talk about this, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go that mom. So So she went upstairs and I said, I was like, you know, I feel really sad for your mom. Like, she just got home. She really wanted to see you. She probably had a long day at work, and she wants to be with you. And and you yelled at her first thing. Like, what do you think we could do to make your mom feel better about that? Because I think she's probably really sad. And she says, I think she is too. And so she came up with the idea that we write an apology card, Aww. which is 
I, cause I never force her to say sorry. Right. So, you know, that comes when they want to apologize, you know, that comes from a place of really feeling, truly, really, truly feeling sorry. Yeah. And, um, that sorrow is really important for them to feel and not allowing them to feel it by forcing them to say, sorry, you only want them to say it if they're really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really special. And then you can teach them how to apologize the steps of an apology. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I yelled at you about dinner. It was wrong because her, her response was it's just dinner, <laughs> which is appropriate. Yeah. It's fine. Um, next time I will. And she said, I will just go with it. And then, um, the fourth thing is you say, I hope you can forgive me or will you please forgive me? Mm-hmm. So you say, I'm sorry for you name what you did specifically. You uh, say why it was wrong. You say what you will do next time. And then you ask for forgiveness. And those are the steps. And that helps you again to internalize. How do I, what will I do next time? Yes. That can help me. And it's all about trying to teach them preventative tactics you know Mm -hmm. I'm feeling frustrated what do I do how do I resolve this conflict with my mother or my sister or my friend or my nanny you know because nannies and children have conflicts too as I'm sure you all know yes yes and that actually was a question of mine so if you have a conflict right with a child um and let's just up the ante of this and this is your trying this yeah and maybe this is like the second time right that you've done it so you're still acting as a very hands-on coach right how do you handle it uh I actually had a situation similar to that um the child and I were playing Monopoly (laughs) oh no uh, which is already tough (laughs) for me anyways because I don't (laughs) love the game Um, that's your problem (laughs) first of all don't play no Um, so the little child and I were playing Monopoly and we had a misunderstanding and I was trying to, trying to get the child to ask me to pay this child rent because I owed him rent. And, um, you, if they don't ask you before the next turn, then you don't have to pay them rent. Mm -hmm. And this child really needed my rent to continue in the game. And I kept saying, oh, do you want to ask me for rent? Do you have this property? You should ask me to pay you rent. And the child was not listening, just in its own happy mm-hmm. little place. And he rolled the dice. And um, I was like, oh, now you like the rules say you're not supposed to get rent. And the child, of course, was very upset. Right. Which makes sense. And um, the child was like, well, I don't even want to play anymore. And they were like, it's not a rule. You're lying. And I was like, I read it to the child, which obviously never makes them feel better. Um, And then the child was like, I don't even want to play. And so I thought that meant to me, pack up the game. But I was not. I was like, my emotional buttons had been pushed. Mm -hmm. And I had my line of key flash of anger (laughs) eyes is what we call them in my family, where your eyes get really big. Uh Uh-huh. And your mouth gets really closed tight. <laughs> and um, I just started packing up the game quietly. And then she, the he, excuse me, he lost his mind because I was packing up the game. And what he meant was, I just want to not play right now. Because mm-hmm. we would save games uh-huh. for like the week. Because that's how long it takes to finish a game of Monopoly. It's so true. Yes. And oftentimes we weren't done. Right. Um, so he was really upset with me because I was packing up the game because I misunderstood And we had to go anyways because it was the end of our day. And so when we were leaving to go meet his parents, we were like, we had already sort of resolved part of it. We were like, okay, there was a misunderstanding. We both calmed ourselves down. Mm -hmm. And then I remember in the car ride, I said, okay, so let's talk about what we could have done better. And I said, we're only going to talk about what what each of us could have done better. So I'm going to only talk about what I could have done differently that would have helped the situation. And you only talk about what you could have done differently Mm. because that way the child doesn't feel like you're accusing because children are often told what to do by adults because they're learning. Um, But that way the child didn't feel, and they got to hear me say, they didn't feel accused by me and they got to hear me say, I could have done stuff differently. And that's really important because children look to you to teach them pretty much everything about the world and modeling it is one of the best ways of teaching yes exactly and to say like you know I didn't do stuff right in that and here's what I wish I would have done Mm -hmm. because we talked about the word de-escalate that day that child was a little older (laughs) and what does it mean to de-escalate a fight because we just kept 
upping, you know, we were just pushing each other's buttons and that was really hard. And I'm very, um, slow on the trigger. I have a really long patient fuse. Oh my gosh. It's so long. And then I'm really slow on the trigger. And so it's really interesting when I do get upset, it's, it's like earth shattering for children because I am not often angry. I'm very like, Oh, let's do this differently next time. And uh, it was very hard for that child to see me frustrated with them. And uh, it was it was powerful, I think, to hear them say, because children don't often get apologies from adults either. And to mm-hmm. hear an adult say, you know, I'm sorry for the way I acted. If I could have gone back, I should have just paid you rent mm-hmm. after we talked about it and said, you know, you didn't know this time. And I was trying to tell you, but here it is. Let's settle, you know? And she, she mentioned, she's like, well, I could have just said, Katie, please can I, or he should, he, I'm sorry. I'm used to dealing with girls. Um, (laughs) he said like, Katie, please, could we just like do it this one time? And I could have said yes. And he could have said, great. Or I could have said, well, here's what the rule says. And he could have said, do you think I, you know, we could do it differently this one time. We talked about all the ways we could deescalate the situation next time. And it was really I think a special experience for that child, that child told his dad about it later Aww. about like, and I, we learned how to deescalate. <laughs> and what a fun thing for a parent to come yeah, home to. Well, the dad was like, I don't really understand what happened. <laughs> I don't really, I don't have a good grasp on the monopoly fight, but Just I be heard like, about it. I gave him a we're full rundown monopoly. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And, uh, it was really interesting because it's this child has grown so much over the years that I've known this child and being able to voice their feelings and that's part of allowing conflict resolution is being able to say how you're feeling because a lot of times when we are hurt they talk about anger being a secondary emotion it does not come first your first feeling is hurt embarrassment fear shame and then anger comes second because it's much easier to feel. Right. It's so much easier to be angry. It's a defensive tactic. Um, I mean, we see it as adults, like going through breakups or problems with our bosses. Hopefully not our bosses because we're nannies. Right. Um, problems but with in a corporate. Yeah, friends or problems with, you know, anyone really. Anger is a secondary emotion and it's a defense mechanism. And so... Being able to say, listening for the other feelings is really important and saying like, I was really frustrated when you did that. I felt like you weren't listening to me. That really hurts my feelings when I feel like you're not listening to me. And that was probably part, I have, I know one of my hot button issues as an adult is feeling like you're not being listened to. Mm -hmm. And that's from my childhood. And that's important to know yourself, the importance of knowing yourself during these highly emotional experiences like conflict with children of your own. And being able to say, I've taken a, a time out for myself before. Uh-huh. Once um, nannying this little girl had an issue. She had flung her meatloaf. Have I told you this story, Martha? No. Um, she accidentally, we were clearing. She didn't love meatloaf anyways. And we did leftover Tuesdays and Thursdays to help clear out the leftovers in their fridge. And um, she was clearing her plate. And so she was already annoyed because she had meatloaf. And they, she stepped on the lid of her trash can, and it it was pretty spectacular. It flipped <laughs> the plate up. She held onto it. Bits of meatloaf went flying like fireworks oh across the kitchen, which I thought was hilarious right. and so fun. And I laughed, and I was like, okay, time to clean it up. And she did not think it was hilarious mm. and burst into tears. And um, she was like, she was very mad at me <laughs> for being amused. And I was like, oh, well. It's okay that we did this. We just need to clean it up. And she's like, you did it, which is actually very common with children. And yes. if you hear a child say that, it's not because they think you did it. It's because it feels bad to know that you've done something wrong or bad or that you think is bad. It hurts to feel that way. Like if I know I've hurt you, Martha, it would feel bad to think about that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to blame someone else. <laughs> and it's developmentally appropriate that children are doing that. So that's not the child. It's nothing you need to argue with about the child. You can just say, you know, I know it feels bad to think that you did something that's, you know, you have to clean up now, but this is what we do. It's okay. I'll help you. But she was not having any of that that Uh day. She was yelling and screaming and I felt my pressure rising. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I need to go into the other room (laughs) and take a little time out 
because I'm starting to feel really frustrated and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to calm down and then I'm going to come back. And I said, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I just need to go calm down. And I went into the other room and then she was like, Katie. And I was like, yes. She was like, can I come in there too? (laughs) And I was like, of course you can. And then she didn't, which was surprising. And she stopped crying. And I took like another minute and I was getting up to come over into the kitchen to see what was happening. Silence is always scary for a nanny. Yes. And I, uh, as I was getting up, she popped back into the room. She said, I cleaned it up because she had gotten what she needed that she's welcome to come in. I love you. I needed time to remove myself. And it sets an example. And now she is a child who will, she goes to her sunroom just every time we have a disagreement. (laughs) And it's, it's almost comical now because even if it's not something like we're having, I'm upset with her or anything, even if it's like, she can't have what she wants to for snack. She will go into the sunroom and lay in their chair and she'll be like, (laughs) and then she comes back and she's learned to like, this is my time that I need to take to have these feelings and then I'm ready to deal with it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. It's really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, great. I feel very educated. Yeah, I could talk forever, you guys. I have so much more to say. Do you? I mean... I could talk forever. Right in with questions, though. Yes. Uh, if you have questions or there was something that you... Like maybe you tried to solve with the five step process and it got off the rails. Yeah. Um. Please write in. I will get Katie to give me her advice on it and I'll yeah. send it back to you. I'll talk to you for hours about conflict resolution. Yes, she will. <laughs> and it'll be great because uh, it always is when when I talk to her about it. Um, and if you would like to write in with maybe victory stories too of how you used the conflict resolution five-step process in your nannying or parenting or teaching. And it went really, really well. We would love those stories too. write into Chronicles of Nannia. Nannia is N-A-N-N-Y-A at gmail.com and I would love to share those Um, so please never use a child's name in those I don't even want to know the child's name but you're welcome to share your name if you would like Uh, I want to say too something she mentioned with success stories I learned something in an early childhood class and it is outrageously effective oh tell Um, it's reflective listening of the feelings Mm -hmm. not just of whatever they're saying So reflective listening is, you know, Martha would say something to me. Say anything to me, Martha. Hi, Katie. Say something more than that. Oh, okay. Uh, I really like your sweater. Oh, you like my sweater? Yes, I do. Oh, great. You repeat back what the person says. You rephrase it. Oh, okay. Which is A, great for teaching proper grammar. Right. But also reflective listening of the feelings is so powerful. I had a child who had some separation issues for a while and this was before the magic box Mm -hmm. um and it was it's interesting because if you just look at a child and you say oh you're feeling sad sometimes it's enough to stop that feeling to just know that someone sees you Mm -hmm. understands what you're feeling and has given it a voice and it, it almost uh, justifies or validates it validates the feeling in a way like oh your mom left and you're so sad I would be sad too it's it's hard to miss your mom and sometimes they just stop crying it's frightening how effective it is I remember the first time I used it I was like I'm gonna use this with adults <laughs> yeah and it's really interesting to just be like oh that's really f- like you're really frustrated that sounds terrible and just knowing that someone else understands what you're feeling and isn't making you change it or justify it is really a powerful tool in your toolbox as a nanny, especially in conflict resolution. Like, I hear sad voices. You guys are so upset over here. Let's calm down and talk about it. It's amazing. Yeah. And that actually brings up a a thought from me, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, I think, helpful in conflict resolution 
as you're starting into this process is also pairing it with those empathy games that we talked about in the kindness episode of going through a book and asking a child to point out uh, what they think those characters are feeling in an illustrated book not um, or I mean once they're older and more complex feelings of what do you think how would it feel yeah to experience that to talk to a dragon or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and there are lots so. of empathy games too. Martha, I can share them with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can post them. We will probably um, do an episode just on empathy. We did one uh, on kindness, yes. which touched on empathy. Yeah. Um, because those are very yeah, connected. Connected. But I, I would love to do an episode just yeah. on empathy because it is so important. Yeah. Um, in helping children become good citizens of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And in being a good citizen yourself. Yeah. Sometimes our empathy needs to be polished. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you work with children. Yes. It's a, it's a muscle and it needs to be worked. Yeah. Um, back to a, another quick empathy game that I have found to be very successful is, um, with very, very young kids to help them build the vocabulary because I think this process does better the more vocabulary you Absolutely. have about feelings yeah. um, is the happy and you know it, yeah. but adding as many different yeah. emotions as you can to that. Yeah. So if you're angry and you know it, if you're outraged, if you're sad, <laughs> if you're yeah. tearful, if you're, you know, yeah. as many colors as you can add yeah. to that. Um, and teaching that vocabulary. Yeah, we played a, a game today. I, I invented it at oh. school. We're doing a drama lunch bunch, oh. and we're working on empathy right now, which is a, has a lot to do with acting. Yes. And uh, we had them partner off in child pairs. You could pair that. You could play this as your own on your own. Excuse me, as a nanny and a child. And one person says, "Martha, you look." surprised and Martha's face would have been blank before and then she makes a surprise face like she just did you're missing beautiful visuals over here (laughs) and then I would say why are you so surprised and Martha this is this is where you play up the fun for the children you say you use your imagination I saw a bear oh my goodness and then the other person says wow well luckily I have a protective bear cape that we can be safe under. So they're learning at that point, like recognizing facial expressions, asking why someone is surprised. They're learning to say to the other child, you look blank, you know, and mm-hmm. then the child has to create the face, which is kind of fun because it's like yeah. surprised. You get control over the other person's face, which is always a delight for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're using your imaginations and you're helping them solve a problem. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sad. I don't have... I didn't have any leaves at my house to jump in. I have a pile of leaves right here. Like, you know, it's really interesting to play that game with children. Awesome. And they seem to really like it. Now we're just going to talk about games. But I have a game <laughs> that I have invented called the, cha- or a song, the Change Your Attitude song. Ooh. So if a child is feeling really frustrated and, or they're angry yeah. or they're sulking, that right. I use it a lot with sulking. Yeah. Um, because that's a more passive thing yeah. that you can kind of convince them out of sometimes with the right tools yeah and so I just say like change your attitude change change your attitude (laughs) and then I'll say Timmy is happy and then he'll be happy for a minute and then we'll sing it again and then I'll be like Timmy is angry and then he'll be angry for a little bit and so they can work through their emotions and then we end on usually like joyful or is uh dancing or yeah, which yeah, yeah. isn't really an attitude but it's an attitude sometimes, for some of us yeah I'm ellen degeneres would time. argue otherwise <laughs> it's definitely an attitude for so ellen would DeGeneres. my roommate emma yes so we just end on something upbeat and yeah. then usually that clears the slate yeah yeah a lot of times humor is your best tool if mm-hmm. you can use humor when there's an issue and conflict And just, I mean, sometimes even children say stuff to you that is like (laughs) slightly aggressive and you're like, whoa, you really mean business. And they laugh and they see like, oh, you know, this person isn't going to come down on me with the iron hammer. You know, this person 
cares about me and is like, wow, that's sometimes the best way to get a child to smile is be like, that is the angriest face I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. I wonder if I can make an angrier one. And then you try and then you're like, mm. like, Sean, do you have an angry face? What about you, Susanna? No, angrier angrier don't smile no we're, we're trying to be angry Susanna Susanna and you're then, smiling yeah just using your humor because it's mm-hmm. it's really the tool that is makes life bearable yes all the time so humor is a great powerful thing with children feel the room though because sometimes humor has backfired <laughs> yes. on me sometimes but if they're really frustrated you cannot it depends on the child right um because then you're belittling and you're yes. making light of whatever they're frustrated about. And yes. you'll know almost immediately by the look on their face. And then you can say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was trying. I thought I was trying to make a joke and I did not mean to upset you. I understand you're upset and I think that's OK. And then you take it seriously. Yeah. And then yeah. once the tension breaks, maybe try humor again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that speaking of humor, let's have story time. <laughs> do you have a story? I do. <laughs> In a moment where I forgot my story for a hot second. Um, It has to do with the conflict resolution process. Perfect. Um, It was a brother and a sister. And they were having an issue with, like, they were, like, wrestling and playing. Which, like, is always fun for, like, three minutes. And then you're, like, someone's going to take an elbow to the face. And then someone's going to pinch the other one. Um, And surely we got there. And we worked on our conflict resolution skills and we got to step five where we're coming up with ideas. And um, these children decided that the solution to their problem would be like, well, I'll just sit on her. And they called um, passing gas in their family foofing. Oh. I'm just going to sit on her and foof. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and the sister what? thought it was hilarious. Uh-huh. She thought it was so funny. And I, I had to really swallow down <laughs> my desire to be like, that's not a solution. Sitting on someone and passing gas, not really <laughs> not a conflict a solution. solution. <laughs> um, but for them, it was. And it like mended their relationship. And by golly, they did. And uh, <laughs> and it solved the problem. So if you ever have an issue with someone, just, just tie them down and poof on them. <laughs> Only if you've agreed to it in a conflict resolution <laughs> process. Foof is a great word, by the way. It is a it? great word. That is. We were not allowed to say F A R T in my house. I've only said it twice in my life, and it's felt very wrong. Oh, times. really? Yeah. So, foof, I like. It's kind of soft and lovely. And it kind of is onomatopoeia. Yeah. Of foof. Gross, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But kind of true. So just foof on your problems. Just foof right on. <laughs> yes. And on that note, I will say thank you so much, Katie, for you being are, here today. You're so welcome. And thank you all for listening. See you next week. The Chronicles of Nanny is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen. Artwork and logo by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nanya and on Twitter at Nanya Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnanya at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.